is up you guys welcome to movie club i like to say it is just like a book club but way more fun i'm your host molly lee and i am so excited that you're here because i love nothing more than sharing my hot takes and having firm opinions about things that truly do not matter in this world but i love movies and i can't wait to discuss all of our brilliant conclusions and absolute garbage opinions about them so as always there will be spoilers ahead Happy Monday, everyone. It's Malls. I'm so excited to be talking about Shutter Island this week. I know I mentioned it last week and all week on socials. This is genuinely one of my favorite movies now. Um, I actually just watched it probably in the last like year, year and a half. I can't really remember for the first time. And it astonished me. So I think part of the reason why I love this movie so much is it's almost like tipping my cap or, you know, a little acknowledgement from my pride and the, the stoicness that I have about film because I was so shocked by the ending that I just have to give this movie credit and props for the rest of my life, genuinely. So I know I always say like, hey guys, watch the movie beforehand. I do think there are some movies that you don't necessarily have to watch beforehand before you listen to a, re- a review. This movie is not one of them. If you have never seen this movie or you never stuck it out to the very bitter end of this movie, Do not listen to this, mainly because I cannot fathom the idea that someone will not get the chance to watch this movie in its entirety and be shocked by the end the same way that I was. So I'm going to need you to um, turn this off, go away, pretend I don't exist, watch the movie, and then come back. Okay, good. Because we're about to do the massive spoilers, obviously, in 3, 2, 1. Guys, (laughs) I have so many thoughts on the ending of this movie and I go back and forth every single time that I watch it because the main question and of course it's supposed to be ambiguous that's the point of this movie the main question is was he actually a patient the whole time or was he actually a, a, a marshal still in that in that time and they drove him to insanity what what's the reality because I don't know I think, honestly, the reason why I push so hard for the second theory to be true, theory two, as we're going to call it on this podcast, about him being true the whole time, and at the end is when they're the ones that, like, basically captured him and turned him to insanity, is just because I don't want to admit that I didn't see it. I didn't see it the whole movie. I never caught on. But theory one, obviously, if we're going to take it a little more, quote, cut and dry, I don't know how you could say that this movie at all is cut and dry, but if we're going to, based on the theory they really presented in the end that Teddy was actually Andrew, the patient, that he was searching for for most of the movie. So what I love about this movie is if you're a thinker, you can tear this movie apart scene by scene and apply the theory to each of them of... What does this scene tell us about the theory that it's trying to project? Or what do I believe? Or like, which theory do I believe based on this scene? But also, if you aren't a thinker, or if you're watching this movie with people who don't dissect movies in the same way that you do, if you're similar to me, then they can still enjoy it and like this movie and take it for what it is. And I know that because I've watched it with people who are not like me and they didn't care about my theories. They didn't care about me wanting to break down the movie scene by scene. And they still really enjoyed the movie and loved it just because they were like, wow, that twist was crazy at the end. So if we're really going to dissect theory one, um, we're going to kind of go scene by scene of the biggest moments that back that theory up. So really, this whole movie is obviously just spent it with the first theory 
trying to jog Teddy's memory of who he really is, that he really is Andrew. So this happens through music. We see this happening when the, he walks into Dr. Colley's office or the other doctor and they're, they're playing music um, and he gets a flashback, right, to his time in the military. Or you see him sharing like his own story or the doctor sharing his own story under the cover and disguise of it being other characters, using trigger words, that kind of thing. Right from the first scene, when they're getting off the boat, right? We see Teddy, we see Chuck, we see Chuck who's portrayed as this like new marshal um, who, who really doesn't, he looks almost insecure in this role to be honest because of just his little mannerisms, another one that I'll mention in a second, but he just kind of seems based on Teddy's experience, like he's the new guy kind of vibe, you know? So they get off the boat and immediately you see the guards and officers clutching their guns tightly. Now, to me, the idiot that was watching this movie for the first time, I just assumed that that was to show not only the nature of this island and of this facility, but also how tense it was that they had this patient that was missing and the reason why they brought these marshals in. You know, I'm just thinking that it's painting the picture and setting the scene. But really... If we're, if we're going to play it out to the end and believe that Teddy is actually Andrew, the reason why they're clutching their guns so tightly is obviously because one of these patients, they're letting him have the run of the island. And so it never really made sense to me why they would hold these guns so tightly in the presence of marshals unless they were just trying to alpha them a little bit by being like, this is our place, the same reason why they asked for their guns, that type of thing. But obviously... When you think of it through the lens that this is really a patient and his doctor acting out a delusion, of course they're going to be holding their guns tightly because they have no idea what Teddy slash Andrew is actually going to do. So it's, he's unpredictable. So obviously they're going to be on guard. So that leads to another small detail like I just talked about with Mark Ruffalo's character as Chuck, um, really Dr. Sheehan. Obviously, he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't, in the sense of the U.S. martial world, besides just hearsay, he hasn't had the experience. And you can see it in the smallest detail of when they they have to surrender their guns and it takes him a while to get the gun off of his belt. And obviously, they wanted to keep that in the movie. It was a specific part of the movie because of how long they paused on him, like trying to get the gun out of his belt. And me, again, dum-dum club number one, the first time that I watched that, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so inexperienced. Why would they put this marshal on this big case with this, you know, this really confident put together marshal like Teddy? But obviously he's a therapist. Like he has no idea how to do that or how to naturally do that since that's not part of his job is having a gun in his holster type of thing. So that's just a small detail, but it does, it, it is... This movie is about the details. If you don't care about the details or you're like, why are you bringing that kind of stuff up? The details in this movie were meant to be devoured. They kept it ambiguous for a reason. They kept all of this stuff up in the air for a reason. It's because they wanted people like you and me, almost 12 years later, to still be fixated on the details of this movie. There was intention in every scene, in every decision, like every single scene of this movie has intention, which is wild to think about. So the creepy lady who says, who whispers shush to Teddy and Chuck as they're walking in, right? 
This scene is played over and over and over again when you look up Shutter Island or in the trailers or whatever. And I don't know why they fixated so much on this lady. I guess they were just trying to give the impression that the movie is creepier than it is. But I'm convinced that one scene is the reason why none of my friends want to watch this movie because they think it's going to be a really gory, scary movie. I'm going to be honest, I don't like scary movies. I don't watch them. If we ever watch a scary movie for Movie Club, it's because you guys have worn me down and really convinced me that we need to watch a scary movie because I just don't do scary. I don't like it. I don't like, you know, I, you think about The Conjuring or movies like that. I'm not into it. But every time I try to tell one of my friends, like, this movie is just a psychological thriller. It's really exciting. Like, of course, there are some jumpy parts, but the jumpy parts aren't even necessarily scary, scary. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like eerie and creepy until you figure it out and it makes sense. To me, this movie genuinely is not a scary movie. So I think they use that scene just to market to that a little bit more, which I don't know why. But my theory with that shushing scene is that she, which of course they don't go into the details of how they told the patients about this big, you know, this big basically role play character acting that was happening with Andrew and Dr. Sheehan actually being Teddy and Chuck, all of that. I don't know if she said shush because they were told like, hey, play along or, or act like you don't know this person, that type of thing. I really don't know. I don't know, or if she was saying shush to nod to the other theory that like there's secrets happening here. <laughs> it's it's mind boggling, truly, to think about. One scene that was crazy to realize the intricacies of it is if you want to go back and watch this scene, the first meeting with Dr. Colley is like jam packed with little Easter eggs, if you will. So the whole time when you know, Teddy is grilling him and starting to get kind of like suspicions about this place for the first time. And he's asking questions. He basically just starts describing Andrew, who is really disguised in a lot of different ways. Also with his his deceased wife intertwined as this other patient and Rachel. I think too, that is one of the reasons why people get really confused with this movie is because they basically took two different characters of Andrew and his deceased wife, Dolores, and actually turned it into like three different characters or spread out their traits between a handful of different characters. So it gets really confusing if you're not paying attention. But in this specific scene, he starts literally just describing Andrew himself and his reality, but obviously disguising it as these different characters. And Teddy is asking him questions about that and doesn't understand. And he's even saying back, like, how do you not understand that you're in a facility? Like, how do you not understand that this is your reality? So again, if we're going off of theory one, it's kind of like, duh, that's the question that we've been asking you for two years. It's really interesting to see in this scene how Teddy is actually the one that has never acknowledged that he's a patient in this delusion and giving characters parts to play instead of, you know, this missing patient and Rachel that they've created. So when Dr. Colley's going over the history of the island, he paused and watched Teddy's demeanor before he mentioned the word drowning. Now, I think that specific moment is a very important detail to back up the first theory. And you would think the big moments are, but it's obviously in the behavior is where you kind of see the real truth. 
And when he paused and turned to Teddy before he mentioned the word drowning, which is obviously a huge trigger word for Andrew, um, since, of course, that's how his wife was, how his wife killed his children. So it's so interesting just to see that shift and that change, because it's hard for me to picture with the second theory that they brought this marshal to the island and then they kind of slowly started, you know, giving him these drugs and these cigarettes to corrupt him and corrupt his reality. It's hard for me to believe that that detail would have, like, already been a, a slight pressure point with him of drowning, um, unless they just went based off his behavior from the boat of him not liking water or getting seasick. You know what I mean? So I don't really know. So I think... Obviously, everything in this movie pointed up to a massive cover-up or secret, and you can feel it. That's one of the most infuriating parts of this movie for me, is because, like, obviously that is the truth, is that there's this big secret happening the whole time. I just believed it to be a different secret than what it actually ended up being in the end, uh, allegedly, subjectively, from my point of view. So the whole time I was thinking, like, the doctors, the officers, the patients even were in on it. You know, like all of the staff, everyone was in on this secret. And again, that's not necessarily wrong. But like I said, it wasn't what I expected. And I'm mainly mad at myself (laughs) that I was like so deep into this movie and so drawn in that I didn't even see it earlier or suspect that something was happening. Um, I just took whatever was being fed to me as the truth, which I still to this day, I cannot believe how much I believed in the just the story that they were selling which is theory two I think I'm in the camp that theory one is what I believe actually has happened in this movie I kind of went back and forth for a while I think now watching it a few more times after the first time and noticing the details I think I really am a believer that he is actually a patient that he is actually Andrew um all of the things are true and you know, you know, that this big delusion was played out because I want to believe that this doctor actually cares enough about his patient to not want him to have the lobotomy and not want him to have this really intrusive surgery that the board is just so gung-ho about doing. So that's, that's why I'm saying, like, I was so drawn in and was so bamboozled in the end because I think either way you're going to be shocked in the end if you truly believe that he is Teddy and that he's not Andrew then when you get to the end, you're shocked by what's happening and by his moral compass type of thing at the very end, you know? Um, So I think there's other small details that really pushed me into the camp that he is actually Andrew and has been a patient at this facility for two years is when it seemed like the officers were searching and looking for the escaped patient or the, or the reason why it seemed like they weren't even looking. You know, they panned around and all of these officers were just sitting down or picking at the grass or not caring. It's because they weren't looking and they didn't care because there wasn't a missing patient. They were just acting, obviously. But then, of course, you have to go into this idea that there was a cover-up happening and, you know, when you ask the question of why would they not be searching high or low for this patient... I get that from the second theory that he was actually Teddy the whole time and not Andrew, that the reason why they did that was because, again, they weren't searching for anyone because they already had the guy that they were going to run the experiments on. So that detail, again, can go either way. But for some reason, just based on their demeanor and the way that they treated 
Teddy, like he just didn't really matter a lot of the time. I think it was almost that moral hierarchy of like, not even like, oh, you're a marshal, we're going to basically kidnap you and make you crazy and corrupt you. I think it was that moral hierarchy almost from the from the officers that were like, this is ridiculous that we're basically giving one of our patients, or not basically, we're giving one of our patients the run of the mill the next few days, and we're going to let him out of out of his, his uh, room, we're going to, whatever. So I think that that small detail is one of the most convincing things to me because it almost seemed like they were intentionally being mean or off-putting a lot of the times to Teddy because he was a patient. Okay, moving on. (laughs) So obviously one of the big plot points and turning moments that we have to talk about is when the nurse slipped when all of the staff was being interviewed by the marshals and they mentioned Dr. Sheehan's name. So, which was really Mark Ruffalo in the end. So, you can tell the whole room tensed as she looked around and Mark's character became a little bit uncomfortable. Chuck became uncomfortable, um, was just kind of shifting around. But again, you can assume when you're just watching that movie for the first time that he's uncomfortable because it's like, oh, wow, there's, there's something else that we have to investigate now. This is getting deep. So, obviously added to the assumed theory that they were hiding something by letting the doctor leave on the ferry, which drew me in even more. I was like, this place is shady, shady. You can't trust these people. They're all a bag of loons. You know what I mean? I was like, you cannot trust this staff. You have to get off the island. That was my thought the whole time of... Teddy, you have to get off this island. I was like pushing for it. I was screaming for it. I was like, guy, you just got to run. You got to swim. I don't care if you get eaten by a shark. It's better than being left there with these crazy people. And not the crazy people as like the, the patients there, the crazy people as in the staff of like they are doing some shady stuff. So of course, that layer added to it, and it makes sense when you hear the end. Um, but I think that detail and seeing the body language of Chuck and who really turned out to be Dr. Sheehan, that again was one of the more convincing points to me that theory one is is what I assume to be the correct answer for for the, the, or solution, if you will, to the movie. What I love about this movie is they're not asking you to make a solution. They're leaving it up for interpretation because obviously they want these conversations to happen. So now I'm going to switch gears into the defense of theory two. So into the theory that they actually, that he was actually Teddy the whole time, he was not Andrew, and they, they basically just drew him to the brink of insanity. So they mentioned how this facility, um, and operation were funded by a grant because of the experiments they were doing on the mind. And then they said the line, no one believes crazy people. So to me, that moment was really confusing to me because it was like I really had this tension and the struggle especially the second time that I watched it knowing what I thought and what was happening it's like you notice those little details right that's the they want you to watch it more than once to notice the details so when they talked about how the funding happened but then you see this doctor that does not want to do those experiments on his patients it's kind of like okay, well, then you're not getting any funding and it's going to shut down. So at some point, you're obviously going to have to see some give and take if you're going to see this facility and this this care facility thrive, you know, or like keep running. So that point is a really, really strong argument for theory two. 
So again, we have to ask the question of what flashbacks and memories that Teddy's character had, what of those were real and what of those were fabricated and part of the delusion? Because one of his vivid memories was of his wife dying in the fire in the apartment, which didn't happen. Because, of course, the wife did set the apartment on fire. They said that. Um, But they, obviously, she didn't die in the fire. He ended up killing her. So, one of the questions is, okay, well, is that what he thinks because he can't handle the truth, obviously, that he shot his wife? Or is that actually how his wife died? That's how he remembers it happening. That's what actually happened. And this, these people who are at the, um, on Shutter Island, these people are actually the ones that know this about him and use those delusions to kind of stray him in a different direction. If, does that make sense? It's like, were those actually hallucinations or were they really true memories? Does his wife actually pass away in a fire? And is he actually Teddy? You know what I mean? Like, these are the questions that haunt me at night. So at the board meeting, this is such a small detail. One of the board members said when they, when Teddy barges in and starts questioning them about who is 67 and the rule of four, I love the, one of the board members said, oh, rule of four. I love that. Like almost the amusement of him knowing something that we don't, because it was kind of like, when I, when that first happened, I ignored it. The second time I watched it, it was like, okay, how did I miss that? That that was so weird and people just glanced over it because that was suggesting that he was in on whatever was going on because he knew what the rule of four meant. So did the board member know that detail because of Andrew's ongoing delusions that he's played this out so much and they've informed the board about the details of it? Or did they know about that detail because the board made up who is 67 and the rule of four. The board are the people that made that up to draw in this man to make him think that he was losing his mind and to basically add to this delusion and this ruse. So obviously, um, eventually to take Teddy and run experiments on him, you know, I would say the only plot hole that I find with that is the rule of four is so specific and Teddy's character already knew the name Andrew Latis. It wasn't something that they necessarily fed him. It's he knew Latis was a guy that lived in his apartment and set his apartment on fire and that killed his wife, that he's the one that started the fire. So how can you make up a rule of four as a board to draw this U.S. Marshal in and Teddy to then take him and run experiments on him I just, like, that's a plot point that I think is too deep in Defense of Theory 1 that makes me believe that he's not actually Teddy, that Teddy is a character that's in his mind. So then we have to ask questions about the cave scene. Now, the cave scene is one of the most infuriating parts of this movie because it's so real, obviously. Like, he, if he didn't spend a night in a cave with a fire, he's gonna die. So if that was all a delusion because Rachel is not a real patient, did he just freeze down there? And what was with all of those rats? Like the rats to me point that there's a crazy delusion that that obviously led him up into the cave for an even deeper illusion. But I really don't know about that cave scene because 
in like it truly is one of the most controversial moments because people are like that was too deep his other hallucinations had like really intense fabricated like when you think about the fire scene in the apartment and you see everything flying around him it's like those moments of his delusions were almost kind of fantasy like or memories not delusions excuse me were fantasy like where they had really intense details but this delusion was just cut if it was a delusion it was just cut and dry of like a real scene and that's that's the point to me that I really don't know. Like the cave scene is the one of the biggest pieces that keeps my foot in the door on theory two. And that like Rachel actually is a patient and they, you know, ran her around. But then again, you ask the question of uh, how that's just too big of a coincidence that Rachel Solando also unscrambles to be his deceased wife's first name. You know what I mean? With the rule of four in mind, it that uh, I don't know every time I try to be on on theory two I find too many loopholes and plot holes that I'm like I just can't camp out here I can't camp out in theory two for too long I think I'm a theory one for life now so moving into the final scene I know we're kind of we're kind of running through this movie today I think my fear was that I would be so fixated on the small details of Shutter Island that this review would be two hours long because I would be like and then that glance in the in the scene where they're at the graveyard and the storm hits (laughs) like we can't get that deep so we get to the final scene or not the final final scene but the big scene in the lighthouse when oh no we're not there yet. Let me back up. Let me back up. There is one more thing I have to say. When Dr. Colley finds Teddy after his night in the cave, and he tells Teddy that he doesn't know what he's talking about with a partner, that he came alone without Chuck. That is one of the most confusing moves to me in this movie, because I don't understand how that at all if theory one is true that is one of the only moments that I'm kind of like well how does that even add to to helping him at all because if we're really believing theory one for a second we're switching gears again we're believing theory one he gets out from his night in the cave where he's just had this intense hallucination he he sees Dr. Colley and Dr. Colley decides to tell him that he never had a partner when in fact they've paid Chuck to run around or they've paid Dr. Sheehan to run around and pretend to be Chuck for a day and a half or two days, right? So how does that help him? Like unless they were just trying to force him to the point of breaking to the point of true insanity to where he would snap out of it and realize that it's all a delusion and he really is Andrew and come to terms with that. I don't see how that gets him there. You know what I mean? So that that move also really encourages theory too, that he is Teddy and they just were trying to do everything in their power to scramble up his brain and put it in a blender to really sell the point that everything in his mind isn't true and to just jumble up his basically reality from from what's happening and from the delusion and and hallucinations and reality that he's lived the past few days so I yeah I just don't see how that adds to the story at all with theory one so I think that scene is a really big bargaining chip for people that believe theory two 
So if you're a Theory 2 believer, you think he's Teddy and he is he's been Teddy the whole time and they're just trying to make him crazy and convince him that he's actually a patient there already so that they can take him hostage, basically. Um, that is a point that you need to argue with to your friends of why at the end would the doctor look at Teddy and say, you came here without a partner. Because with theory one, that doesn't add anything to it. That doesn't help him get to the end to realize that he's actually Andrew to have that breakthrough moment. It it just seems cruel. You know what I mean? Which doesn't seem like his nature. So that's the question that I would pose if you are a theory two believer. So we have to ask, one of the biggest things that we have to ask is, were the tremors and hallucinations because he was off of his meds or were they because of the meds he was given and the cigarettes he was given and the stuff that he was fed on the island? I don't know because when we see those moments where he ends up taking medicine that he thought was just pain reliever from the doctor, like his his hallucinations were still there and it, it could have been that they were still there always but the medicine just helped or made them not as severe because towards the end of the movie if that's really the uh, I don't know <laughs> like as soon as I start talking about this my brain is like Molly you're wrong and theory two is correct you know what I mean it's like there it's so convincing either way that I don't know I really don't know but that's the question you have to ask were the tremors the hallucinations the delusions the flashbacks were those all because he was off of his medication and kind of spiraling or were all of those happening because of the medication they were feeding him, the cigarettes they were feeding him, the food they were feeding him? Basically, what Rachel, the psychiatrist, not Rachel the, pa- not Rachel the patient, said in the cave. You know what I mean? It, it's like she was, she was telling him all of this, that everyone is going to look back and say, we were doing those experiments to our own people on this island. And she asked, have you been taking any medicine? Have you been smoking your own cigarettes? Have you been eating the food here? Like she's she's pushing for this reality that like they have, you're already compromised. Like you can't trust anyone here. You're already compromised. So that's the question I would have to ask. Like I said, the first time I was watching, I was convinced that either A, he never had a partner or that his partner was compromised in some way. Um, so when it was revealed that Chuck was actually Dr. Sheehan and was his doctor, I lost my mind. They got me so good. So now we've moved into the lighthouse scene where we see the doctors now and the revealed Dr. Sheehan to be Mark Ruffalo, that scallywag. He got us the whole time. And we see Dr. Colley, um, one of the most confusing parts of all of this, because obviously he starts saying things over and over and over again um, of things that Teddy slash Andrew at this point must have repeated many times. We're back to theory one that he must have repeated many, many times in order for his doctor to know exactly what we've seen play out in the movie because he has the same hallucinations and he has the same delusions happening. Right. So how many times has this happened to where his doctor knows exactly what happens like clockwork? He knows exactly the delusions that he's facing, all of that. And he starts word for word saying the things back to him that basically traumatize him and terrorize him and keep him up at night. So then we see Teddy slash Andrew um, shooting Dr. Collie and the blood splatters on the board, but he's obviously fine. So to me, that proves that he is actually a patient to me 
because you see how deep his hallucinations and delusions have gone that the crossover between reality and what's fake has complete like the line is gone and it obviously makes sense of like the cave scene at that point and seeing his partner dead on a rock and all the rats like you start to understand why that's happening because it's played out in real time before our eyes of him shooting Dr. Colley and the blood splattering on the board but obviously the gun is fake so he's not even shooting at him now some people argue that it's the medication they fed him that are giving him those delusions that the blood was there and he was actually you know still in his right mind and was acting out of self-defense so again it could go either way which is the beauty and the fresh deep frustration of this movie so at the very end of this movie it's a scene you know at this point um andrew has already woken up and he's acknowledged his own delusion he's acknowledged who he is he's acknowledged what he's done that his wife drowned their kids that she needed help and he never got her help or whatever and that he shot his wife So he's acknowledged these things. He's spoken about them. He, you know, acknowledges that he's a patient and he needs to be a patient. And then the next scene is we go back to Andrew and Dr. Sheehan or Teddy and Chuck sitting on the steps. And he, you know, is winking to Mark Ruffalo. And the question remains of did he ever really become awakened to the truth and acknowledge it and was living in the truth that he was Andrew um or was he acting the whole time or was he Teddy and was he playing a part the whole time to really be the best U.S. Marshal that they've ever seen and go to the extent of investigating what was happening there so I really don't know (laughs) I I think he was awakened to the truth and then because of how sick he is and how much help he needs he was immediately you know, back into the delusion and back into this reality that he's created. So then the final quote of the movie between the two of them, the question is posed of what's worse, to live as a monster or to die a good man? And obviously, and the the way that movie magic works, that perfectly summarizes the movie. The question is, did he walk away actually as Teddy going to the extent of his job as a U.S. Marshal to investigate what's happening there, and he's acting to be Andrew, basically, and did he walk away to die as a good man, or was he living as a monster? And did he, was he actually Andrew and was back into his fantasy world that he has created in his mind? So this movie... As infuriating as it is, it is incredible because you can really convince yourself to be in either camp no matter what. And this movie is, I like, (laughs) I'm kind of at a loss for words right now. Usually I've like typed out what I want to say at the very end or the points that meant like so much to me or that really stood out. But again, like I said, this movie is all about the details. I think if I was going to critique this movie, I would pose the question of why did we have so many details and characters that seemed to not matter at all or detail moments, character moments, that kind of stuff, because it it could be that those those scenes were just kind of miscellaneous, but they were in the movie for the sole purpose of scrambling your brain a little bit more 
Or it could be that like the many times I've watched this movie since and have picked up on a new detail or something deeper or have understood a reference for the first time. I don't know if it's just because I don't understand that reference yet, but there's just a lot of moments that I was like, this is unnecessary. And I love this movie, but I do think this movie is too long. It really is. I just, I don't know what they could have cut out, but there needed to be some stuff cut out. I don't like critiquing movies that I love, but I have to be a realist that there were parts of this movie, shockingly, that bore me when I watch now. The first time I was pretty drawn in, there were some times that my brain was touch and go, but I like forced myself to watch. Now when I watch, there are parts of the movie that I just kind of completely ignore because the second time I watched it, I was really invested again. And then the third time I was like, I don't see the relevance of this scene and I just kind of tune out. So I do think the movie's a, a, a skosh long um, and there are a lot of details that I'm like, was this actually important? Do we actually need to know this or could we have cut this down? So those are some critiques that I have. I do have a lot of comments that were given to me. I had many people. What I love about this movie is with Crazy Rich Asians last week, I had a lot of people DM me their thoughts, but they were they were pretty brief or vague about just like one or two parts that they loved about this movie. This week, I didn't have as many people write in as last week, but the people who wrote in, I literally got like two pages worth of notes screenshotted and sent to me by multiple people because they didn't just have one thought of like, oh, this movie was great and I loved it. It was like, they were like me. They had to to ask questions about almost every detail of this movie or every scene and give their thoughts about it. So I kind of combined most of them or tried to combine most of them. And here is kind of a general consensus of the comments and things that I got from people. So someone said, you can literally watch this movie 50 times and catch something new every time. And I agree. To me, this is a movie that I enjoy watching over and over again because it, like you, you're excited to see a new detail or to understand something deeper or even just to catch the body language and glances among people and test it against theory one or theory two. Now, I had another person say this is a movie I would only watch once a decade, um, which is fair because it is a heavy movie. And if you don't have an obsessive personality and you're not a thinker and you don't really care about tearing movies apart, then you watch this movie and you're like, oh, it's fine. He was a patient the whole time, you know, and you're done. So I get it. For some people, this is a movie that you can only watch, you know, once, once in a blue moon. So someone else said that this movie was intentionally vague and it annoyed me so much. Now, honestly, I can respect that because I, even though I, I understand why they left it vague is for, again, this purpose where you can ask questions over and over again. I, I do understand that it's infuriating because I get infuriated sometimes of like, can we not, can we just get a, a nice like bow on the end of the, you, you know, bow on the Christmas present to end the movie kind of, kind of vibe. So I get that. I get that it's annoying because the movie is so open-ended. So someone also said quite possibly the most annoyed I've ever been at the ending. Fair. Um, someone, someone else messaged me and said too scary, only watched halfway. Okay. Okay. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Also, I just think you're wrong. <laughs> I like your opinion's fine. It's valid. I'm reading it. I'm a woman of the people, but it's wrong because 
I think you probably watched until that the the lady saying the shush in the garden and then you were done you know what I mean like you got to give it a, a little bit a little bit more of a chance okay now this is exciting I do have to give a shout out first shout out on movie club I think I don't think I did one last week to a nice woman named Caitlin hi Caitlin she sent me again a very long she was one of the people that sent me a very long review like a two-page review and she I'm just gonna read literally the beginning of her message word for word She said, first, let me start by saying I'm almost 35 and a mother of six, and I've never been a part of a club before. I played sports and was in church groups of whatnot, but never a club. So I'm feeling pretty special about this. LOL. It would be an okay movie for me to watch while I folded socks, but I wouldn't watch again. (laughs) This made me laugh so hard because so I I took the very beginning of her message and then the, the ending line of her message and put them together. And that's what she said. I loved the setup of her saying, this is the first club she's ever been a part of. Caitlin, we're so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you're here. This is amazing. I love this review. And then to end it saying, it would be an okay movie for me to watch while I fold socks, but I wouldn't watch again. Like, that's the perfect description of this movie for some people or a lot of movies that I watch because there's so many movies that I throw on to passively fold laundry to in socks and if it's not a movie I've seen before or a TV show that I love then that's a bad sign like more often than not I will throw on new girl or a show like that while I'm folding laundry or doing something just to have on in the background because I know it and love it it's my tried and true but if it's a new movie like a Hallmark movie and I throw it on while I'm cleaning or doing laundry or something that's a bad sign because I, I haven't watched a second of your movie and I don't care to and it was terrible you know what I mean so that gives me the perfect description of what you think about this movie by saying it would be an okay movie for me to watch while I folded socks like we can all understand that that is such a relatable comparison and I appreciate it so much and someone else said to end this out someone else said the ending was everything good and bad I think it ended the best way possible for this movie and I'm glad they didn't lay it all out which I agree even though I do love a movie where there's a bow on the end they don't leave much for questions um but also I can't appreciate that this is a movie that you get to go back and forth on and I I don't think I've ever experienced this with a movie before to where if it is open-ended usually I'm so solid on one theory that like this is my theory and I'm gonna fight anyone who doesn't believe my theory and tell them that they're stupid this is one of the only movies the only movie I can think of that every time I watch it, I can see both sides and go back and forth so clearly without picking a camp. You know what I mean? Like, I think I have settled in camp one just because it makes the most sense to me based on even just the behavior of people in the movie. But also, I can fully understand the second theory. And that's so exciting. It's so exciting to have a movie like that. It's just really fun. So now we're going to go into the questions that I have for every movie that we watch and what we're going to review. If you missed it, since I know we're still in the beginning stages, I'm not going to announce it every time, but I will this week again. I came up with a set of questions that we're going to ask um, just to determine not only if it's a good movie or not, but just to get our minds thinking about the movie. So was it a good story? Yes, it was a great story. I think this story like whether you wanted to or not, it drew you in. Maybe it drew you in a little too much. And the fact that I can watch this over and over again and find something different from it, yes, it's a good story. Was it good acting? Yes. The fact that a lot of people creeped me out in this movie, like not just the people who were like patients or playing patients, the doctors 
the staff, the officers, those people creeped me out as well because I, they had my brain in such a blender that I was like creeped out by everyone. And so it was great acting, like such good acting in my opinion. Were we bored? Now this question is, is weird because the first time I watched it, no, I was not bored at all. Now when I watch it, there are parts of it that bore me. But again, I acknowledge my my blind spot in that because those are the parts that I don't understand how they're relevant or necessary to the movie besides just scrambling your brain a little more in your thought process. So were we bored? Yes and no. I would say overall, no. But also there are there are times now that I watch it and I'm like, yes, that's boring to me. I don't get why that's in there. So I don't know. So for rewatchability or bingeability, now again, this won't affect the score, but it's good to know because some movies are great, but you can only watch them once. To me, the rewatchability of this movie is off the charts because you you need to watch it at least twice, in my opinion. This is a movie that you have to watch twice so that you can catch things and now that you know the story, you know, and like go back and and test your theory based on what you see the second time. So I think it's an immediate like rewatch thing. But again, other people messaged me and they were like, nope, I would only watch this movie once, only watch it once every 10 years. So I get that it's subjective. For me, this is an absolute must watch twice. I don't think you can understand this movie or even your theories on this movie if you don't watch it twice. I just like, I just don't see how. So for plausibility. Now again, for plausibility, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it has to be realistic necessarily, but they have to make us believe it. Plausibility, yes, it's plausible. Like this story is not only plausible, it's damn good. I'm just going to say it. It's a great story. It, it's got your brain scattered around the globe. You can't pick up the pieces. You can't figure things out. So plausible, absolutely. Is it wild? Yes. But they made us believe it and they did a good job by making us believe it because of all of the details that I've said way too much in this movie. So for bonus, we're going to talk about wardrobes, music, emotional responses, whether that was laughing, anger, crying, being scared, whatever. Um, I didn't really care about the outfits in this movie. Obviously, you weren't, you're not supposed to. Uh, when you compare it to like crazy Rich Asians from last week, it's kind of dull. But the music, I would say it was interesting to see how they used music as a piece in this movie to try to jog his memory about his time in not only um, in the military, but his time, you know, just things with his wife, that kind of stuff. But the, but that doesn't get bonus points for this. The bonus point for music is supposed to be like soundtrack or specific stuff. No, I mean, they did a good job with the creepy music, but that's any movie. So I wouldn't really say it gets bonus points for music. Emotional responses, yes. I was scared. I was drawn in. I was worried. I was happy. I was just yelling for him to get off of this island and to figure it out and to get back to safety and to grieve his wife. Like, it drew me in so much. I definitely had emotional responses for it. So all in all, I think my official score is an 8.4 out of 10. It might seem a little low to people. I think that that score is very, very high to me. So 8.4 out of 10. The overall, I'm looking it up right now. The overall score that we gave this movie as a collective unit was an 8.3 or an 83 out of 100. So that's, that. I think that that's fair. There are going to be people that say that score is way too high. I get it. But what's interesting is on other like movie sites, this movie from a critic standpoint is like mid 60s usually but the audience score is always much higher 
So like much like a significant amount higher, like sometimes even in the 90s on some websites. So I think this movie's great. I obviously 8.4 great score. So I think you need to watch it. <laughs> Hopefully if you're at this point you've you've already watched this movie, but I say that to say I think this is one of those movies that's like a must watch for me in your lifetime. Like a lot of people have a list of movies that are like must watches for them. Honestly, I wouldn't even say Crazy Rich, Rich Asians is necessarily on my like must watch before you die list but I think Shutter Island is. And I know it's confusing because I gave Crazy Rich Asians a higher score than Shutter Island. Obviously, it's totally different, totally different movie, whatever. But I Shutter Island for me, because of the psychological points to it, is on a must-watch list because of how, how, how good it got me in the end. <laughs> That's all that I have on Shutter Island. That Those were all of my thoughts that I wrote down when I was watching this time around. So now getting into the fun part of our movie next week. Now, I had a movie planned. And I nixed it because my DMs were saturated with people wanting me to watch and review the new Cinderella. So our movie next week, whether you like it or not, is the new Cinderella starring Camilla Cabello on Amazon Prime. Um, I hope you have Prime Video. <laughs> if not, steal a login from your neighbor, your sister, whoever. Because I tried watching this movie already. I got eight minutes in maybe I saw a scene where there were some mice that were humming to rhythm nation that's what it literally said on the captions I watch all movies with captions and the captions it says mice or rats humming to rhythm nation and I had to turn off the movie at that point because I said I just simply cannot do this I already am I'm not going to share that I have so many thoughts about Cinderella's in general but I'm not going to share those until next week so you have to come back. But that's our movie for next week, The New Cinderella. Let me know your thoughts. If you've already watched it, I'm sure you have a thousand thoughts about it, good or bad. Let me know. I can't wait. I just, also, I was going to do another one of my favorite movies next week, and I was like, this isn't supposed to be necessarily Molly's favorites movie club, you know? Like, we need to get a couple low scores in there to really balance everything out. And I just have a feeling that I'm going to give this movie a really low score. So I'm going on the record right now saying that if I end up giving this movie anything above a five, I was wrong because I'm expecting it to be like a low four. So I was wrong. And we we can do a nod to this after I finish watching the movie next week. So that's all I have for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of Movie Club. I love it so much. It's so much fun. So follow me on Instagram only at Painfully self Podcast to keep up to date with Movie Club. I'm mainly posting about stuff there. I'm kind of still doing the cross-posting on my personal Instagram, which is at mollylee31, just because I'm, I'm trying to get more, like even, even some more crowds or some more interest over to Movie Club um, or just to the podcast in general. So love you guys. Thanks for being a part of Movie Club, my favorite club. I love Mondays now. You're wonderful. Talk to you next week or on Wednesday. See ya.